Welcome to the Modernizer Die Podcast, CFML News Edition, where we keep you up to date with everything going on in the Cold Fusion community. We'll share the latest news on events, releases to engines, frameworks, libraries, and tools, as well as spotlighting quality content from the community. Welcome to the Modernizer Die Podcast, CFML News Edition. It is October 18th, 2022, and I'm joined by the lovely Brad Wood today. <laughs> yeah ah uh, not too much just busy busy always busy right but uh we're here for another another podcast episode so uh it looks like we've got some people in the chat we've got a uh, adam cameron and david bellinger already we've got a few other people popping in so uh looks like we should be busy today. My yeah, busy busy yeah i know i'm wondering what trouble we're in for but uh as we mentioned, I'm Gavin Pickens, a senior developer at Auto Solutions, and we're here with Brad Wood, another senior developer at Auto Solutions. So we want to thank Auto Solutions, our sponsor, because without them we couldn't make this podcast. And if you don't know who Auto Solutions are, they're the ones that make whole box, command box, test box, forge box, and all the other good boxes out there. That's what we say. Um, but there's a few ways that they can uh, say thanks back to Auto Solutions. You want to give us a list of those, Brad, so they can go off and do them while they listen to us all day. Uh, certainly, they can like and subscribe our videos on YouTube <clears throat> uh, for the first thing. They can also um, help Ordis reach for the stars by starring and forking our repositories on GitHub. It's, <clears throat> excuse me, gets attention onto our uh, open source projects. We also have that cool little um, command box uh, module that I think Eric wrote that will uh, look through all your dependency lists and we'll go star all of the repos for you using the GitHub API, uh, allowing you to be absolutely as lazy as possible um you can also subscribe to the podcast um on your podcast apps leave us a review um you can sign up for a free or paid account on cfcast which is releasing new content every week you can also check out the box life store where you can get t-shirts and hats and bags with cool funny box logos and things on them my favorite one is the command box one that says the server is up and then of course you can go buy our orders book 102 full box hmvc quick tips and tricks on gumroad Yep, so a lot of cool stuff there. And then uh, we also want to thank our Patreon supporters because without them, we couldn't do this. And we want to just let you know that we have 42 amazing Patreons providing 100% of the funding for this podcast. But thanks to them, we're also funding 33% of the way of funding the Forgebox uh, IO hosting. So all, a lot of cool stuff with Forgebox, our package management setup, and all the cool S3 storage and and everything we work hard to keep that available to everybody because that's one of the the only downsides of being successful right brad is if something goes wrong there's way more people complaining about it now <laughs> so uh, that is that is correct used to be forgebox could fall off the internet and nobody would notice but if forgebox blips for 20 seconds now people are like my build failed so yep, yep exactly so it's, Lots of it's people good. using it yep and then uh, it looks like we've got a few more people saying hi so john barrett aloha from hawaii Life Vision Quest, um, asking if we make gift boxes. Nope. Who's Life Vision Quest? I wonder if you've got a real name. And then Calvin Stanton's there as well. So looks like i got a, a good group in there. So let's get into our announcements. And so first up, um, I just wanted to give you guys an update on me trying out GitHub Copilot. So Adam's in the chat. I wonder if he can tell us what he thinks of it. But GitHub Copilot, I've been using it um, after the working code podcast i've been talking about using it adam and 
uh, Carol both use it, and then Adam Cameron talked about it in the Discord about it too. So I thought I'd try it out yet. It's not very CF smart, but I'll tell you what. It, it does do a lot of cool things. So uh, obviously on the JavaScript stuff that I was doing, it worked really well. But even if I started doing something repetitive, like I would start typing a line, and if I did just something just above it and change a couple of characters, it would realize, oh, everything else is the same except these characters. And it saved me quite a lot of work. Uh, I was peer programming with Scott Steinbeck uh, the other day, and we were doing some stuff, and I was like, ooh. So uh, I am enjoying it. It's kind of fun. I don't know if I'm going to... I'll probably try it for a little bit, even when it starts to become paid, but it's uh, it's definitely winning me over. It's giving me some good ideas. So if you guys haven't tried it, there is a free trial. So github.com slash features slash copilot. Uh, give it a whirl. I think it's uh, pretty neat. So, and uh, <laughs> Adam says it makes him feel stupid when he's doing the Kotlin stuff. Apparently he writes writes uh, 50% of his blog post now. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. But hopefully if more of us use it with Cold Fusion, um, it'll learn a little more and then it can be smarter. But uh, but next up, Brad, we have a little uh, thing. So it's October. That means two things, right? It's Breast Cancer Awareness Week and Hectoberfest. And I've got the Hectoberfest shirt, which is kind of pink. So living up to both of them at once. But uh, <laughs> you want to tell us a little bit? one stone right there. Yep, that's <laughs> what I'm playing. So uh, you want to tell us a little bit about Hectoberfest and why everybody should be excited about it? Yeah, so you need to uh, get registered anytime this month, basically. You have up to until uh, October 31st, and you need to make, um, I believe, four pull requests to any GitHub or GitLab hosted project that's participating in Hacktoberfest. You need to look for that Hacktoberfest topic that's added to the repository. If it's not there, ask the maintainers to add it. And uh, they need to pull, they need to merge your pull request, I believe, by um, the end of the month in order for it to count. So the first 40,000 participants, uh, maintainers and contributors who complete Hectoberfest um, can get uh, either your, a tree planted in your name or you can get the Hectoberfest 2022 t-shirt. So great um, boon to open source and to give some people uh, a quick and easy way to get started. If you go to the Hectoberfest.com website, you can um, search for pull requests for repositories, accepting pull requests, and find something easy to participate in. Yep. It's a, it's pretty cool. Um, it's got a lot of interesting things now too. So this year they've also opened up the no, the non-code stuff. So if you're doing blog posts, if you're doing social media or videos, you can still make a pull request to those repos, telling them what you're doing and provide links to them. And if the, the maintainer accepts it as a Hectoberfest dash accepted merge request, even though you're really only merging non-code, um, it still applies. So it's kind of neat. Um, I thought it was kind of nice that they're trying to, you know, reach out and broaden the horizons of what you can do there. So Hacktoberfest is pretty cool. And then apparently maintainers get something too. Um, so if you do some work with, uh, with your repos and you have Hacktoberfest marked as there and you actually like approve so many, apparently you get a little gifty at the end of it too. So I'm curious how, what that'll be. Cause I think that's pretty new too. I don't remember that happening in previous years. So, so we'll have to look at that. So, very cool okay well next up we have some uh some new releases and updates and we got a pretty good list here brad you want to tell us about the first one because this was news to me charlie just sent it out and um oh, i hadn't even seen that myself so it looks like cold fusion 2021 refreshed the installers with um update five 
but it says only in one place. So I don't know exactly what that place is. Uh, basically, what what normally happens with um with Adobe Confusion is when you download the installer and let's say update you know ten is the current update, the installers will come with like update two, and it's just like a, a documented step that the onus is on you to now go and install the missing like seven updates. Um, and every time people were like, hey, why don't you update your installers? Adobe's like, oh, that's a lot of work. Um, and then it never happens. So uh, the only t- the only time they've updated their installers was when they had that SSL cert that was stolen years ago and they had to re-sign everything. But yeah, it looks like they actually refreshed the installer. I'm kind of curious what, what prompted them to go through the effort to do this. Uh, yeah. I mean, it, it's good because now if you download the installer, you actually get the latest update of Fusion, not something that's you know, two years old and you have to apply a bunch of updates to. Yeah. The, um, the trick is, is that it's only in those product downloads on the download cold fusion section. But if you go over to the, the refresh section, um, let's see here. I think he said that there was no zips. It's okay. So just a full installer there. The not good news. There's not zip installers, at least for now. Um, good news is, you know, installs five. Not good news. The installer implements Java 11. So basically, the Java 11.11. Well, it's Java.11.11. We're last oh, week it had older build of, an older build of Java. I wonder if that's because they were testing it for so long or if that was just an oversight. And leave it to Charlie to know more about all the places Adobe has Cold Fusion downloads than Adobe themselves. Yeah. Well, I have a feeling someone in Adobe thought they updated all the places and obviously Charlie found the other half of the places. Well, Adam Cameron made a good point saying you bet they fixed some critical vulnerability. There was a, uh, a zero day vulnerability in this update five. So I bet they can't release installers for versions that don't have that zero day fix. So by them having the bad oh. installers out, it's probably like a huge security risk. That's that's a good point. Cause yeah, anybody who ran the installer and didn't apply the updates would have some, some pretty serious. And there was quite a list of vulnerabilities. Um, yeah. And unfortunately, if- the CVEs really hadn't been put out there yet. They were all just reserved. So I don't know what most of them are, but uh, I was I was a little concerned by that list. Oh, yeah. so by the way, the latest version of Java is up to 11 is update 16. So that's so what the previous version had or something. Or last week's update 5. Yeah. But I, th- I thought you said they had update 11. Well, the installer implements only Java 11.1. 11.0.11, while the version available as of the release of Update 5 last oh. week was 11.16.1. So right, now, so we're, we're saying the same thing. The latest Java 11 is Update 16, but Adobe is five minor updates behind. Yeah. Which or seems... Patches. Yeah. Yeah, patches, whatever you call them, builds. Um, seems a little uh, odd that they wouldn't do that. Uh, they, uh, they wouldn't um, incorporate that. Because, I mean, even if they had been testing this version for a while... Um, Yep. They wouldn't have started testing all the way back when update 11 came out. So I'm trying to, yeah. Um, so look, I'm say, using the, sorry, I'm using the Java search command and command box to search the adopt or the Adopium uh, API to see what versions there are. Yeah. So you're saying that you can't get them on the trial page or the developer edition, um, you know, and you can't get to can't get them with the Adobe licensing website. But he, well, he doesn't have a login to confirm it, but he's not sure yet. But so they're they're rolling out those versions, and so anyway, so again, Charlie's got a really detailed um, thing. But conclusion: if you're installing it, um, it'd be best to use those ones that already have the update five in it. Um, you can only get that at the Cold Fusion downloads page. So anyway, we'll put that in the 
the show notes and we'll get that posted for you right away as well but uh, of course it's also worth noting that if you're using command box none of this actually applies to you because you tell command box the magic version you want and we give it to you yeah <laughs> there, sure. there's no such thing as installing updates in your command box servers yeah oh, holy cow so 11 update 11 came out on april 20th 2021 oh that's, so so yeah it's, it's pretty old that's 18 months old that's probably why charlie yeah. pointed it out so already foul i can't believe they had a, a cold fusion release with all of those big security fixes and nobody thought hey should we bump the bundled java version yeah mm. so anyway um that's they said it's zero day vulnerability so they probably got it out quick but yeah it's funny that they wouldn't be updating their job or more often but some of the people waiting for this release probably wouldn't use the word quick to describe the way it was released okay well i don't know when the (laughs) when the cve came out or whatever because it's a security update it doesn't have all the other stuff in it right i thought this i thought this had things like the the query query bugs and stuff like that no, this was the security update. They they talked about it at CF Summit, talking about that this is a, you know, like they're doing security updates only. Maybe it did have more in it. I didn't read all the detail, but they were talking about separating the security update release from the patches and and try to have like a policy for that. But maybe right, maybe it did all come with it. I'm not sure. Uh, right. I, 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 I know people were week. upset the last time Adobe released just a security update with no bug fixes. And I had even defended them in doing that because people want to be able to install a security update. Okay, it does. Um, Kyle, Kyle right. confirms. That's what does. I thought. I thought that that's what I had seen. Because I thought, I, yeah. last time they released a security update separately and everybody was like, where's our darn bug fixes? Right? But other people would say, quit shoving bug fixes into your security updates, right? Because you break stuff and you do that. And so it looks like they just went back to a combined thing. But Well, they probably had that version 11 because they've been testing all their bug fixes and all their other stuff for 18 months. <laughs> so they just threw the, the update on top. <laughs> but anyway. I don't know. Anyway, don't it's out. It's got all the fixes. Everybody should be happy. Um, although I did see somebody complaining about something being broken, which we'll cover a little later in the tweets. But I think it was pretty minor about some xml issue but i think you tweeted about it with um, brian riley so oh that's broken in air quotes yeah exactly <laughs> well next up we also have a release of uh spreadsheet cfml so there's other things going on uh version 3.6.0 was released but also 3.6.1 was released and so you can find out more on the cfml spreadsheets website and then, obviously, we were talking a little bit about this. Like Brad said, the command box images are out. Um, so 2021, update 5, 2018, update 15. And, um, yeah. the Oh, there was... Uh, I didn't read my own notes from last week. The other cool thing is the M1 support for Mac OS, because apparently people are complaining. They couldn't run it on, on that because of the ARM support. But... uh that's there too so if you want to find out more about those images including all the things that i was wrong about there's a, a link there and then uh cb elastic search uh 2.3.3 was released last week and the the big thing was is now it has full cap capability compatibility sorry for elastic search version 8 as well as maintaining support for elastic search 6 and 7 and so we've got that blog post out and then, uh, and CB Elastic Search is what you use if you're using Elastic Search service and you want to be able to talk to it from your Coolbox app, right? Yep. Sorry, I should 
probably be more clear on that. Just make sure. In the case any of our listeners are like, yeah, I don't know what that does. <laughs> yeah. No, Elasticsearch is yeah a really powerful search tool. Um, and it's also powering Forgebox now, finally. Yes. Yeah, so you can we, finally we, do some more powerful searches. We pulled searches. ourselves away from the big old fat like query that, that we used to use on MySQL, and now it's a proper Elasticsearch, uh, full-text search. Nice. Yep. For sure. And then uh, Fusion Rector had a couple of releases, right, Brad? So um, have you checked out the new version? Have you seen the differences with it? Because there's a few improvements and a few bugs with 9.0 I have and not looked at 9.1. I used uh, 9.0 a bit when it came out, and I uh, I talked back and forth with some clients that wanted to tap into the um, the log uh, shipping. If I don't know if that's the right word, log shipping. But basically, Fusion Rector 9, one of those big features, the ability to take log files um, off your, you know, disks and then ship them off to a, a, a aggregate server in the cloud, which is similarly along the lines of what you have with like file beats, um, and the, the log stash and like the Kibana stuff. Um, but Fusion Reactor is doing that now as kind of a, a baked in service. Um, but yeah, I hadn't, I hadn't even looked through the list of what was a 9.1. Um, oh, perfect. One of the things in here is something that I asked them to add. Um, and that was the ability to specify a system property to add additional log files. Because um, out of the box, Fusion Reactor was only grabbing a handful, like one or two of the Cold Fusion Engine log files. But if you wanted to ship off, say, like everything in the Cold Fusion or Lucy logs directory, um, you had to change the setting via the administrator. And so I asked them to add a system property. So kudos to them for giving me what I asked for in a short amount of time. Uh, oh, and it looks like the second thing they added was also what I asked, which is to ship a few more of those log files by default. Jesus, they just called us the Brad Wood release. I know, I was going to say, man, it sounds like they do listen to you after all, Brad. Um, yeah, which looks like just a bunch of little kind of improvements that came back out of um, out of their uh, the feedback of their first release. And if you're, again, on Command Box, um, as long as you're on the latest version of the Fusion Reactor module, you will automatically get whatever the latest version of Fusion Reactor is. It's backwards compatible, and your license key will work doesn't your license keys aren't tied into any particular version so if you bought a license of, of fusion reactor 8 it'll also work in fusion reactor 9 yep very cool okay well so next up then we have our webinars meetups and workshops and so the first ones we're going to talk about the the new orders batch of uh stuff so new orders friday is what we're going to call it so new orders Friday, every Friday, we're going to have something starting next week. So next week's going to be our orders webinar. Um, I'm going to be doing a webinar about stepping up your testing. So that's October the 28th. <coughs> and all of these are at 11 a.m. Central time or Chicago time, as Daniel Garcia wants us to refer to, because that's the only time he cares about. Um, so we'll be having the registration for that webinar out soon. And then the following week is going to be orders office hours. So Daniel Garcia is going to be host a variety of orders people, and we're going to have an office hours question and request form available for you to basically put in your, uh, you know, put your name in the hat for something you want to talk about at the office hours. And so that way, if you're asking quick stuff, then we'll probably try and get Eric involved. If you're asking something about, um, you know, CBY, mm -hmm. we'll see if grants available and we're going to try and bring a couple orders people to sort of answer those questions. So it'll be uh, sort of just a, an, old school office hours we used to do this a long time ago right brad the uh, cold box connection back in the day yeah Luis called it the cold box connection and we would open up a adobe connect room that's why we called it that um and we would just sit in it for an hour and people would come chat and we'd you know ask us questions and stuff and then we got really busy <laughs> that's back before i even worked for ordis that's when i used to 
work at a my previous job and i was just a um uh, at the coal box evangelist um but yeah that that kind of faded away when as we got busier but um the demand is still there for people just to be able to ask questions and things so um i think it'll be it'll be popular for people who want to just come hang out and just maybe a question they've been thinking about that they haven't at the time to go post on Slack, but if they can just jump in the call and they can be like, Hey, I've been wanting to ask you, how does this work or something? Uh, yep. It should be pretty cool. Yeah. And we're going to try and like, you said, have the little request form available. So if someone's got a particular question, we can make sure the right person's there to answer it, but also <clears throat> just, you know, let people, you know, we don't want 25 people to show up, but all have questions and not be able to answer them all. So if you get them in there, we'll we make you top of the list and we'll sort of work our way through it or try to do that. And it's kind of like a little intro to what you'll get with support. You know, that we have some paid support um, customers where they'll just jump on and, you know, say, Hey, I, I want to look at, uh, you know, setting up some better error logging and stuff. Like, how can I do that? Like a customer yesterday, I was helping him get Sentry set up and give him some tips on how to like, you know, do versioning for the release numbers and just different bits and pieces and you know that's the type of thing we can offer in office hours and everybody can learn from that so that's one of those things and then the following week Audis book club um this is going to be a patreon only thing so we're going to start with uh uncle bob or robert martin's book clean code so uh we'll be sending out some blog posts here with that we'll send you some links to be able to, to get the book um, so they have it up on Audible, which is really great. And with Audible, you also get all the downloads of the, the PDFs of the codes. So you can look through it. But part of this, too, is I actually want to convert all the Java code examples over to ColdFusion code examples so we can have a little ColdFusion companion for the clean code book. So, Adam, uh, you know, I've been talking about clean code and all this other stuff. So this uh, book club, I think, would be a good opportunity. And then if you're there, Adam, we can uh, try and convert some of this stuff over to more CFML-ish code for the, the clean code. Be warned, Adam said, be warned. Okay. I, I'm, I'm Sounds like a threat. Yeah, I'm wondering what the rest of it's about. <laughs> so, <laughs> and then the following webinar will be um, October, the, uh, sorry, November the 18th. So that's the following one. Um, and then, oh, and he's saying the code examples in the book are not good examples of particularly clean code. So Adam, there's our challenge then. So let's make a cold fusion version that is clean code and usable and friendly. And, and because not everything is Java quality, um, you know, ColdFusion has some dynamic properties. That means we can do some cool stuff. So we'll have to, uh, you know, make our version of it that makes sense. So that's part of the book club. So that'll be Patreon only. So if you're not a Patreon, go sign up and then uh, you can be involved with the book club. So once a month, we'll be meeting for that. And again, these are the normal ones. And then uh, because of Thanksgiving, there'll be no coding with the Kiwi in November. But we'll be back uh, in December as we start up with office hours, book club, webinar, and uh, coding with the Kiwi. So what else do we have, Brad? We've got some uh, a new CFUG. It looks like it's based in India. Do you want to tell us about that? I can. I'm fixing a command box bug right now that I found Let's while using stop the breaking Java stuff. command earlier. Well, I was using the Java search command to look for the latest versions of Java, and I found a bug, but it's fixed now. Uh -huh. um so back to the show notes yep so uh, yeah i saw the 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 cfug um uh announcement let's see got to scroll all the way down in the show notes here to find it yep where is it so um yeah so basically they, they reached out to a lot of people well they reached out to me so i assume they've yeah got a, a i, big I get <laughs> i got contacted as well i actually i 
feel bad I hadn't replied yet. But yeah, I told them that you know I'm pretty busy trying to catch up from all these conferences, but I'd make myself available in the future. And so mm -hmm. Ray's doing his uh, document services API and you talk, and so that's going to be this Thursday, and it's 8 p.m. to 8 to 9 p.m. Indian Standard Time. So that is actually 9:30 a.m. Central Time. So that's all just right. uh, that's. Just remember when you see these times, I put the color, uh, the CDT time next to it, but I always find it weird because it's like a half hour difference too. Like they've got half an hour daylight tape these times kind of. Yeah, here thing. we go. Yeah, it was, it was basically it was one month ago. I had gotten reached out, invite for a CFUG Tech Talk, Bangalore Cold Fusion User Group. That's what, the one you're talking about? Yeah, and that's the name. They just call it the yeah, CFUG Tech Talk. Sandhaya is the event coordinator. I didn't recognize uh, the name right off, but. I think yeah. that's great. Yeah, and so they're trying to reach out and get more content, you know, in an Indian time zone for a lot of Indian developers. And there are a lot in India developing Cold Fusion, so um, that's pretty neat. Hopefully, we we'll get some of the Adobe developers in there too, right? So they can learn how Cold Fusion works. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> the engineers yeah, are Java man. developers, so we're always teasing them. They're like, "Well, that might work in Java, but in Cold Fusion, we like to do it this way." So, well, Luis, Luis actually had a Coldbox training in freaking Bangalore, show, just showing just Wirebox and Commandbox and Modern Cold Fusion, and he was unable to get a single Adobe employee to attend it, literally in their home city. So, yeah, pretty rough. <laughs> so we also have a CF Hawaii um, has their CFUG, so Cold Fusion Builder for VS Code by Mark Takara. He's going to show us how to use that, and that's going to be Friday, October the 28th um, at 3 p.m. Pacific time, so 3 to 4 p.m., and so Mark's going to come in and talk about um, the, you know, the new Cold Fusion Builder extension for VS Code and talk about stuff like access built-in IntelliSense, code completion, semantic code understanding, code refactoring, looking at security vulnerabilities and how to maintain the integrity of your code, et cetera, et cetera. So lots of cool pieces um, in there. And so if you guys haven't tried the VS Code or maybe you haven't got it working yet, because I know a few people have run into some issues, maybe you could jump into that one and maybe Mark can you know, try and help get that up and running. Um, so, so yeah. And then we got a couple of, from Adobe coming up as well, Brad, right? According to the show notes, we do, uh, workshops and webinars. We have, uh, on Wednesday, November 23rd, um, building native mobile applications with Adobe Cold Fusion and Monaco.io by Mark Picotta. All right. And then December 22nd, that's pretty close to Christmas. I, I know it's hard to get people out to something when you get too close to Christmas because everybody's gone. Uh, but a winter holiday special, a preview of Cold Fusion 2023, huh. also by Mark Dakota. So yeah, it's pretty cool. There's also a full list of um, all these recordings, I believe, on is it meetus.adobeevents.com slash Cold Fusion? I'm posting it right now in the chat. And Weird. I expected it to be meetup.adobe, but it's meet us. Wow. There's probably a, there's a meetup meetup.adobe.com somewhere. It's a pretty anywhere. creepy stock photo. It's like a dude stalking me and they're stuck. <laughs> Oh, closing that tab is weirding me out. Mm, too funny. Okay. Well, next up, we have our CFCAS. And we did mention earlier that CFCAS is our, you know, amazing content library of videos for all your CFML needs. There's a lot of OO stuff. Uh, Nolan Irk did a great series on that. A lot of That means stuff. when you watch it, you'll go, ooh. That, yeah, that's the OO stuff there. That too. But um, as you mentioned, we do release content every week, usually, but we've had a couple of weeks off of all the the conferences and everything. But we do have all the ITB videos up there for those who are ITB ticket holders. We are still releasing the 
the Forgebox module of the week and the VS Code Hint Tip Trick of the Week videos that are coming out. And I have been working on um, my series, so a boxifying a third-party library from Gavin. And Eric's been working on his Coldbox Elixir stuff. Daniel's um, going to be working on a Getting Started with Content Box very soon. And then in December, we'll be releasing all those ITP videos for all of those who are not ITP ticket holders that have a paid subscription. So there is content coming. There'll be more very soon. Um, but we're going to get back on the, the the releases. Sorry, everybody, but uh, the the conferences just blew out all of our budgets. <laughs> We've got lots of client work to catch up on, so we're, we're working hard on that. But hopefully, uh, those videos are keeping you busy. So next up, though, we have our conferences and so there was a couple last week did you catch any of these brad are you too busy trying to catch up on everything else too no i did not i'm trying to figure out how to pronounce this first one is it vitacon no it's vitconf yeah what i was thinking like vegemita vitamin or something like what's going on here (laughs) yeah no it's vitconf so vit's the the builder that they use for um the view now and everything else it's a competitor with like es build so it's not built in javascript it's built you know with like a a, a actual efficient language and so the the builds are crazy fast everything's just lightning fast so vitconf is its own conference about it so it's going to leave webpack and all those in the the and basically in the dust so vitconf if you want to learn more about that but that's what they're using now for almost everything so but that's going to be if you're into view js am i understanding correctly it doesn't just do view it does a lot oh, of stuff okay so it's i'm kind trying of, to figure out who the target audience because I'm, I'm reading their website and like it doesn't actually tell me what the crap the conference is about all it says is making web development instant i'm like okay yeah so basically all the <laughs> and? Job, all the front-end build tools that's what if you use a javascript front framework okay, that you have a build tool like webpack or es build or whatever else you can use V and I see. Make so this isn't really instant. about any specific front end framework. Then this is no, just but looking to replace. Okay. Yeah, it's very big in the view community because um, this. I think the guy, um, you know, Evan, who built View, took and basically is being building Vite. I don't know for sure exactly, but I know he was one of the the key speakers there and everything. So, mm-hmm. um, pretty interesting. And then Microsoft Ignite happened last week as well. So if ignite.microsoft.com and learning a little bit more about, you know, the latest innovations and, and stuff like that. So it's an interesting little conference. And then coming up soon, this is something that I need to go to. Brad, are you going to go to the AWS Awesome Day? I know we use yeah. AWS all the time, but sometimes I still feel like I have no clue what half of it does. Oh, that's and- for sure. <laughs> um, I, I like what they did there. AWS, they turned that into awesome. How many years did it take someone in the marketing department at AWS to be like, oh, our acronym is the first two letters of the word awesome? Yeah, for sure. Funny. So and, uh, is this focusing on the, the web services stuff? It's a very three-hour AWS cloud training, like get started sort of setup, you know. So you know what? I've been to two different like cloud training, get started setup sort of stuff before, and I sort of hated both of them. Uh-huh. One was one was IBM specific, and one was Red Hat specific, and uh-huh. they like instantly wound up off in like six foot weeds of like signing into like thirty seventh CLI tool you had to understand and. I don't know. I was disappointed with both of them. Um, so I don't know. Hopefully this will be better than I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. I mean, the agenda is, you know, 
looking at the advantages of cloud computing, cloud deployment models, AWS global infrastructure, and talking about security and, you know, looking at AWS compute and storage. And so how does, you know, EC2 work and how do you deal with things like, you know, S3 or other scalable and durable cost-effective storage options, and then databases and networking, and then innovation and so this is kind of like things like machine learning and whatever and then you know, this is very much a looks like a very good summary but apparently they have some couple of demos so um oh so demos include compute database etc and then a featured story so i mean it just it's just a three hour little thing so it's a, a level 100 event so it might be pretty simple for most people but um I'm going to just try and put it on the background at least. And, uh, you know. yeah, it says in their FAQs, uh, awesome day is ideal for beginners with no prior cloud knowledge. Huh. I'm actually trying to decide if this is going to be targeted at actual developers or if this can be targeted more at like CIOs in the sort of like, you know, use our cloud services, little song and dance, but could be, could be interesting. I suppose could sounds like it's going to be pretty high level then. Yep. I think it's going to be just like, yeah, the nuts and bolts. And oh, this is I mean, cool. They have sessions in Portuguese and Spanish. Yep. Nice. Pretty neat. Pretty neat. Okay. Well, next up, we have uh, a conference that we all want to be attending. And so that one is going to be the Digital Ocean Deploy. Um, it's interesting how they have this at the bottom. Like, I was like, mm, are they trying to do something here? Like, what are you looking at? The, so oh, on the screen, I saw little... that as well, and I was I I was on this page the other day, and I was like, I'm confused. Like, did I hit F12 and open up my debugger tools on accident? Like, yeah, what I was happened? wondering similar. Like, hmm, are they trying to do something funny or yeah? So I was wait like, a minute, do you have the plugin installed in Chrome that auto formats JSON responses? Oh, I might. Are you thinking that's what it is? I'm curious if something about their HTML is actually just tricking your browser plugin uh, into thinking it's a JSON response at the end. Yeah, it might be. Uh, I don't. I don't know. I'll have to look at that later. It probably is. It's yeah, probably there, it's probably a JSON is... blob just telling you the date and the link, and then and it's okay. Just... There, there's a script on line seven if you view source that um, a couple places in the page just had the word false. In them okay and i i bet that's actually just tricking your your browser plug into the format of the page i got a lot I, of I, them so people in the chat go to the same domain do you guys get that little thing at the bottom because i <laughs> it might be actually, my plugin i think I, you and i might just both have the same plugin the same i thought they were just trying to be like weird trippy cool or something but you're right it's probably just my plugin screwing stuff up anyway the conference is november 15th through the 16th <laughs> virtual conference for global builders you know and there've been a lot of cool stuff lately um it's kind of interesting looking at their snapshot of who showed up like 18,000 registrations like 1700 were developers and like 30 percent of them were um, founders and executives but they have a discord you've got some some pretty well-known speakers in there. I recognize a few of them. But uh, Adam says it's just us. Oh, let's see, we're just cool, I guess. All right, the Chrome plugin we have is I believe uh, the one I have is called JSON Viewer, and if you hit an API, it just automatically formats it on the screen, so it does some like auto detection to just to determine if the response coming back from the server is JSON. Well, that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, that's probably what it is. It's, I think I've seen them before. Like I know DockerCon used to have it where they'd have this 
little thing pop up like that um right yeah totally so out of some like you know game or something they're like can you hack this yep Anyway, moving on. Um, Into the Box with Tam. I know that they're about to release a website for that, so I believe the date is going to be December 7th. So information is coming up very soon. And then coming up next year, uh, I know it's a long way away, but April 4th through the 6th in Atlanta is Div Nexus. But the cool thing is, is if you um, basically buy the early bird tickets before November, 18th, uh, November 20th, you have 40% off. And so, Brad, what are you going to be submitting this year for your call for speakers? Because I know you've spoken <clears throat> to Div Nexus a few times now. I haven't even thought about it. Um, there's several talks that I submit every year that they <clears throat> that they promptly ignore, which are just like you know, command box to deploy Java wars, right? You know, CFML, modern JVM language. Um, they don't really ever care about that. Um, talks of mine they've accepted were like password hatching, best practices, agile development, and what did I do this last year? Um, oh my gosh, what did I talk about? It was something through through. It had nothing to do with cold fusion. At I thought, all. It, was, it, just kind I of thought a, it was RabbitMQ or something. Well, you know, that's what I talked about at CF Summit. Luis yeah. talked about RabbitMQ previously at uh, at DevNexus. Um, whatever it was, yeah, the, the only talks of mine they ever accept just like generic talks, which is okay. But you know, I always give them a hard time because they're all you know. You go to DevNexus and they're like Kotlin, Scala, what's up, Ruby, you know, and you're like cold fusion, like shut up and sit down, you know. So yeah. They, uh, they don't really care about that, but it's still a great conference, and they have tons of super cool speaker swag when you present. So, um, um, so yeah, I don't question for the crowd who's in chat. Give us some topic submissions that Brad should submit just for fun and see if some of them get picked. <laughs> mm. I mean, I do usually submit like five or six. Yeah. Um, and I, I've been I've been hollering at Mark Takata to try to get Adobe back out there. Um, Adobe came out and had a booth several years ago, and uh, Alicia and Kishore ran it but i've been uh mark's been trying to get back into going to some java conferences and i tell him like every time i'm like that's a great like, conference for it yeah yeah like you want like two thousand java developers that are going to all these sessions about these cool dynamic jvm languages that they can work in with their existing workflow like you gotta you gotta be here um and the the thing is a lot of these sessions like the kotlin sessions um the reason they exist is because JetBrains is always some massive sponsor. And with their sponsorship, they get like three sessions of their choice. And what do they talk about? They talk about the crap they want to push. Um, so, you know, if Adobe wanted to have cool fusion sessions at a conference like DevNexus, they would just need to fork over money like literally everybody else in the world does. And they get their guaranteed talks and they get to talk about whatever they want in those slots. Um, and I have the how the world turns is what I found out. <laughs> yep. So more money, more money. Yep. I guess money can buy you a uh, speaker swag. <laughs> uh, and then apparently um, David Bellin just says you should have a, <laughs> uh, have a talk saying how to grow a boss beard. Fun yeah. The funniest thing is I I'm thought not, he said I'm how not... to grow a gross beard for a minute. <laughs> I was well, like, I, yes. I, I'm not, I'm not in the boss category yet. My wife already hates it. She thinks it's way too long. So I don't, I don't know. I'm still figuring that out myself. I'm trying some different beard oils. See if I can get it to not be so wiry. Um, crazy you, yeah th th those of you not watching on youtube are really missing the visual of my my little brush beard that i've got going on yeah i've got a my little beard it's doing okay the wife likes it she won't let me do movember with the rest of the oldest team uh shave and regrow um but i guess your wife's probably on board with that right <laughs> yeah so. no i was just thinking earlier we had joked about doing a no shave november at ordis 
it would be funny if we made a little like site even if it was just like a little github static thing and we opened it to anybody in the cold fusion community that wanted to jump in and you know send us the before and after pictures and just saying no shade november could be fun yep that's uh that's what uh yeah i think that's the plan we're gonna try and do that and uh you know gender does not matter you can uh send in some <laughs> other pitches because we don't want to exclude people from uh supporting the need but i didn't know where it came from i guess it came from australia that's where they started with that like prostate cancer or something from some australians started it interesting anyways uh moving on so we also had uh an update well kind of an update we guess we say it every week just in case people care um into the box 2023 we have dates may 17th 18th 19th 2022 so the weekend after mother's day so uh you can leave your spouse at home and join us for an awesome uh, into the box and then uh we basically have everything or bring your spouse with you if you want i mean actually yeah that's what, what john ferrar did like the last two years he's brought his wife along yeah so it's What's actually wrong with that yeah it's it's pretty good i mean if my if it wasn't in the middle of my my wife's teaching we would do that because uh what i'm hoping is see if camp is you know if things are stable and everything uh next summer hopefully in summer 2023 we'll be having cf camp again and if it is during summertime then i can take my wife with me but uh because i won't be able to go to <coughs> to germany for cf camp without her i'm pretty sure you know one of the coolest things talking about bringing your spouse to a conference is seeing kids bring their kid to a conference and i've seen that twice this year well um, i actually have a blog we, post that we're going to be writing about that but you can uh, spoil it and tell yeah. them now i'm just saying it into the box and then again at cf summit ran into people that i knew from the community who brought their kid with them they're learning to program and they wanted to get him into you know some conferences and just get excited about stuff and i thought that's one of the coolest things ever you know they were all like high school age um and they were they were teaching them you know how to program bringing them to conferences yeah i think that's awesome yeah saeed brought his kid and uh, i saw him at cf summit as well as into the box and you know there's just yeah it's really cool to get him up and running we're gonna get them up and running with javascript and quasar we're working with Coldbox api it's gonna be pretty cool so i'll be talking to them more in the future for sure but yeah i mean it's in that conference that daniel garcia went uh went to in july you know like the speaker setup was pretty cool and he took his family they actually have like kids sessions you know they have raspberry pies and other stuff and whatever else and that's what got us talking about let's doing a raspberry pie workshop and or a hackathon on raspberry pies at you know at the happy box and stuff so lots of cool ideas but they have a they're actually at a water park like their conferences at a hotel with a big old water park take the whole family so i might be applying for that one so maybe i'll do the how to grow a boss beard at that and we'll see what people say but uh, anyway so lots of conferences available um again if you guys do want to sign up for dev nexus you can either do the speaker sign up or you can um, get early bird tickets but uh, Into the Box 2023, um, no site updated there yet. And if you want more, you can go to comps.tech to get more information on all the other conferences happening around the place. Let's get into the next thing, though. We have our blogs, tweets, and videos of the week. And we already covered the first one from Charlie. So thanks, Charlie, for that one about the refreshed installers. Um, and then next up, we have... Uh, a little bit from James Moberg of the tweet. And I thought this was kind of interesting. I don't know about you, Brad, but um, 
like we always compared, you know, JavaScript and, and Cold Fusion, and it was kind of interesting that he had a, you know, a blog post or sorry, tweet about um, <clears throat> Boolean values in JavaScript and whatever, um, and what does and doesn't work with Cold Fusion versus JavaScript. So he found this little article. So if you use guys are transitioning to JavaScript from Cold Fusion, the two ways to convert values to Boolean and JavaScript, they have them right here. Um, and it also sort of shows you like, okay, which methods work, which methods don't, what are falsy values? Um, and, you know, and so using these different things on falsies, uh, explaining how they work. And then the interesting was is, yeah, if you have a false in quotes, <laughs> that, that screws you up because in cold fusion, it'll coerce that, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. So you've got to watch for that. So I, I told James, uh, I expect a blog post comparing these methods in cold fusion and <laughs> JavaScript. And he says he's busy, but, uh, I'm sure he'll get to it eventually. He's got a deadline. So, but I thought that was just a cool little tweet. So what do we got up next then Brad? What's up next on the list? Um, we have a blog post from Julian Hallowell adding validation dropdowns to your spreadsheets with CFML. I didn't actually even see that one yet. Yeah, it's it's kind of neat. Like he's doing quite a lot of work with this uh, spreadsheet CFML. Interesting. So I'm yeah. curious how the compatibility is with non-Microsoft Excel libraries, or if this is only something that works in Excel. Yeah, I wonder if it works in Google Sheets, huh? Yeah, I mean, because I've, I've worked with adding, like, drop-downs into stuff, but never in any kind of spreadsheets I've tried to, you know, automatically generate. Yeah, so... And I don't really know how they're stored behind the scenes. It's a new data validation, and you give it the cells oh. with the values, and then you... He's actually got screenshots from LibreOffice in here, so I guess that answers one of those questions. Oh, that's cool. But I remember back when that used to be called Star Office, like in the late 90s. Oh, it did? I never heard of that. I heard yeah, LibreOffice, but not Star. Yeah, I think the very, very first version of it was Star Office. And I don't know who all forked from who. They had a really cool, but at the same time dumb feature that would like replace your entire desktop with like an overlay window that had its own start menu and its own icons. And it was all like customized. And I have no clue why somebody thought that's something an Office program should do. But that was back in like 1998 or 99. Um, Interesting. And then at some point it became LibreOffice. Oh. Yeah, that's uh, for people to do hardcore uh, Excel stuff. That's a nice feature. And that is, is this specific to his uh, spreadsheet library? Yeah, that's using the spreadsheet okay. library. And he has yeah, the, and that's the what documentation we talked about. in there. Yeah, we talked about that earlier. It used to be called Lucy Spreadsheet, I think. And then at uh, one point he renamed it to Cold Fusion and CFML Spreadsheet because... Because it was supporting both of them. I mean, it was supporting both of them all along, but nobody knew that. And so he was like, you you keep telling it's like, well, maybe I'll just take Lucy other names since it's obviously misleading. So, so yeah, that was, that's pretty interesting. But uh, yeah, he's got lots of documentation on that wiki. There's like 112 pages or something. So, and next up we have one from Ben Nidell. And so Ben is talking about trying to get a trustworthy IP address. And we've had conversations about this many times. We've had all sorts of stuff going on, but it came up through a pen test. And so one of the systems were flagged for not properly validating the X forwarded for HTTP header. And so long story short, the, um, depending on your proxies, what sit in front of Cold Fusion, um, the request, the CGI remote value or remote address 
depending on if your Cold Fusion handles the proxy headers and, and whatnot, um, the IP address may not be the thing that the client actually has. And so there's all different types of headers for different things. And um, at the comments is always the best part of Ben's articles, I think. <laughs> Get onto the comments because everybody else has their input. So Charlie talked about how he, he basically, uh, you know, in 2019 even wrote this big blog post about it between, you know, load balances and everything else. And then Ben did more digging into it. Um, but it was kind of interesting because depending um, on what, where you're sitting, you know, what network you're on, different rules apply. And, you know, James even talked about um, validating stuff based on the proxy that comes in. This is James Moberg's um, response here, <clears throat> you know, so it's not as simple as looking in a header because most headers can be faked. So you got to look at the header, see what what's in the header, and then you'll look at the IP and see if it's actually from one of the servers you trust. It's kind of a mess, right, Brad? I know you, when I did something before, I mean, you're I don't like, think it's as, <clears throat> I don't think it's as complicated as people make it, but it, it really only matters, in my opinion, if you're doing security-related things in regards to the IP address, such as you're blocking access to an administrator part of your site unless they're coming from local host or an IP address within the VPN, right? Now you have a potential problem because, I mean, if you just log in the IP address in a table somewhere, who cares, right? Hacker spoofs that all day long. I don't care, whatever. Um, but if you're doing something in the application, it's like we're now granting you access because you appear to be coming from our VPN, that it matters. And so the problem, and I, I was actually, it's funny timing. I was just having this exact same conversation with Luis in regard to Coldbox and a bunch of CB security um, enhancements he was making last week. And I was telling Luis, we need to stop trusting the forwarded headers by default in Coldbox. I know it's convenient. I know most people want it, but it's a potential security issue. And I already we should use environment this. variables that say these are the list of uh, you know approved trusted proxies. Well, no. and then we could use that. I think that's overcomplicated. The question is, do okay. you trust your upstream proxy? That's really the question. This is, in my opinion, it's a basic yes or no. Do you trust the guy sending you traffic? Right, but Does that's the, the thing is. Send but if the, if he sends a hitter, yes. But if someone hits you direct and then fakes the hitter. Then you, you don't. Have... Then you don't trust the upstream proxy, right? Okay. I mean, yeah. If someone's hitting you directly, then the answer is no. No, you don't trust whoever's upstream of you. But I mean, you're the only one who knows your network topology, and you you're the only one who knows if you've got like an nginx instance sitting in front of you, or if you're just a random command box server out in a Raspberry Pi getting directly hit by hackers in Russia. Only you can answer that question. Yeah, so, no, you definitely have input for it. I agree on that, but 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 that that's that's the question you need to tell the premise so cold command box already ran into us a year ago right brian o'reilly pointed this out to me he was at cf summit i finally met him for the first time and he's pointed out several lucy and cold fusion uh security issues in the past he does a lot of security stuff in fact he presented at cf summit um and so if you know the example of a command box was let's say you're saying lock down the cool fusion administrator unless it's coming from localhost well command box by default in the past would just blindly trust any exported for uh http headers um, and just assumed whoever sent them was was trustworthy. But then that allows a hacker to say, hey, I'm forwarding on behalf of localhost, right? And then your application goes, oh, okay, here you go. Here's the keys to the city. So now command box has a flag that says use forwarded IP addresses. In other words, if you trust the upstream proxy forwarding you traffic, then you can trust those headers. If you don't trust whoever's forwarding the traffic, then you should ignore those headers. Um, and so that's, and that's essentially was the crux of what Bim was describing. And it's what I did a year ago or more when command box, when I changed the default setting for that. And it's what I was telling Luis, we really should do in, in cold box. 
because it's not just IP addresses. There's also the ported scheme, like is the current request HTTP or HTTPS, right? So a hacker could trick your site into thinking it's HTTPS when it's not, which may, um, you know, control what functionality exists. Um, there's this whole hand, handful of headers. And the question is, do you trust whoever's sending you those headers? Yes or no. And technically, if you trust the, the proxy in front of you, they need to also be ensuring they wipe out any headers coming from upstream that are untrustworthy. That, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. I, I was curious yeah. about that too. But I mean, it, there, there, there's, there's a handful of fun, like the is SSL function in cold box right now will blindly trust those headers with no regard to whether or not you're actually being served over HTTPS or not. And I don't know, that may or may not be an issue for most people, but we just kind of blindly trust those. And Luis wanted to add a, get the proper host name, you know, function and i was like you can do that but you have to know you can't always trust those headers especially if you're basing things like environment support and being in a development environment opens up things that are a security issue you can't just blindly trust these headers if you don't trust the the proxy in front of you that's actually sending them to you anyway it's it's very interesting but like i said i don't think it's i think people overcomplicate it the main thing is that most people just don't realize how if you're not bouncing your traffic through some proxy like nginx or load balancer that sets those then um, you know, you open yourself up to the potential for people to spoof things. And if your application makes important decisions based on those values, a hacker can, can screw around with you. Um, yeah, for sure. But yeah, that's a good read for sure. Uh, I definitely recommend you go checking that out. Read Charlie's thing. They say it's, yeah. Do you trust where it's coming from? And if you are behind a load balancer, you should have nothing else be able to connect to you. So you should trust them, like you say. But some people have backdoors and side entrances and their all their IPs aren't secured remotely. <clears throat> so but speaking of Brian though, we did actually have a, a tweet from him. Ooh, yes. Um so let me share that one because I think you actually commented on that one, right? I, I I chatted back and forth with them, though I haven't actually dug in and poked at this. But yeah, so Adobe's I mean, I, under, I understand why, you know, Adobe doesn't like share all the juicy details when there's a security issue, right? Um, because they don't want hackers to be able to use those. But then people like me who really want to know what the issue was are like trying to figure it out. But yeah, part of the the new update that came out with update five is there's this new, um, uh, I think, is, is this a, a system property you have to set? Uh, Coldfusion.xml.allow path characters equals true. Um, and it was some sort of protection against XXE, um, which is something that, that ColdFusion's had fixes for in the past, which are external entities um, that you can bake into XML. Um, and so th their bulletin had a note about how if you use like slashes in your XML, you had to set the setting on, but they didn't actually like specify like what the heck they were talking about or what functions or functionality was even applied to. It was just kind of like a random note in the security bulletin. And so people were asking about it on Slack. Brian had tweeted about it. And we were like, oh, are they talking about like XML search? Are they talking about XML parse? Are we talking about XML transform? Um, Priyank did eventually confirm in the um, Adobe channel of the CFML Slack team that they were talking about the this setting affected the XML transform function specifically. Um, though they didn't really go into details about how it actually um, affected it or like what specifically they were um, um, protecting against. Um, yeah. The weird thing was that he's the Brian said that they documented or mentioned it in the 2018 um, release notes, but not the 2021s. So that's weird. So 
Yeah. So I mean, people were saying, well, that that appear that it basically broke XML transform out of the box because it, it the error message said I'm trying to find the error message that was here. Well, if I go up to um, the Stack Overflow. Well, I'm I'm reading here out of the Slack. I'm trying because somebody okay. had the message. Um, here we go. Um, the error appeared to be expression unable to process the XML string as it could probably contain file paths. And that was for mm. an XSLT style spreadsheet pass to XML transform that contains slashes or backslashes. Uh, and Brian O'Reilly had said that um, in, in the Slack. So Prionk said, um, this change is for XML transform. This is basically the full length and breadth of the explanation given to us by Adobe is that it somehow affects uh, <laughs> XML transform. So hmm anyway yeah so, so basically i don't know one of the last comments is someone who's saying so this basically renders xml transform useless unless you enable that flag and nobody from adobe spoke back up again so <laughs> i i don't know i don't quite understand I, I, it, without knowing what they're protecting against it's kind of hard to tell but from what people are saying it appears that almost any usage of xml transform essentially wouldn't work any longer unless you enable this flag which why didn't they just turn the function off then and say this is a dangerous function but i mean you could say the same thing about evaluator cf execute like yeah these are dangerous functions be careful what you pass into them i don't know i appreciate what they're doing but i can't help but wonder if they've done something really heavy-handed here and it sounds like they, their heuristics are very simple like they're literally just searching for like a slash anywhere in the xml as opposed to you know something a bit more complex that's actually saying are you trying to reference an external entity um, so it seems like it, it might be hitting false positives. I haven't had a chance to dig into it much other than just reading these threads, but it, it definitely was not really well explained. Ex just like exactly what it was that they had changed and why and when you would need to use the setting. Um, and unfortunately, the, hmm. the sort of incredibly abbreviated uh, communication is, is what we oftentimes get with Cold Fusion um, vulnerabilities. And I understand they don't want to expose information about how to exploit it but at the same time like people need to know like is my cold fusion code actually going to work like what exactly have you broken because if everybody just goes and blindly turns the setting back on yeah <laughs> that's that actually that's, that's the thing is like okay you need to know what the risk is if you're going to disable that fix you need to know something about it anyway it's yeah more information like, will be useful here right yeah so. for sure uh, speaking about more information, uh, this is an intervention for Adam Cameron because we want to know why were you writing Confusion on uh, writing code on Confusion Five? So <laughs> apparently, uh, do that one. Yeah, apparently he responded to Mark saying, "Well, not only was someone wrong about something in CFML, they were completely wrong on the version." And so someone's got to maintain the standards. Uh, he was he was probably going back to figure out when a feature had been added or something. Yep. So I just thought it was pretty funny. I'm actually curious. What was it about? Yeah. So sounds like Jurassic Park. You know, that, that takes a big man to write code on Cold Fusion 5 and admit it on Twitter. Yep. <laughs> but I just thought a little little humor. But I am really curious. Like, what was he like trying to improve? There we go. He was looking to see when look aheads were added to the rig extension. There, oh, you, go. there you go. Thanks. I was really curious. Like, why would you want to go back there? But. Yeah, I guess there's a good reason. So, so do, do we need do we need to ping um, 
uh, Abram Adams and ask him when Price CF is going to support CF5. So this can be <laughs> more easily. He, he's yeah. going to have to have like a like a Windows NT VM just to run the the Cold Fusion Five. Oh, I was going to say, I wonder what it takes to run. Can you can't run because it was before the, it was. Cold Fusion 6 is when it went to Java, right? So that was pre-Java times. Yeah. So yeah, that's definitely a while ago. Oh. Pointed out it runs on Windows 11. Well, there you go. I'm guessing he figured that out just the other day when he was trying it. That's quite quite surprising, but... Hmm. So uh, Mark Takata also had his uh, 2022 recap. So if you want to talk through and uh, uh, sort of see some of the different steps, nice little summary here. Um, and then obviously he's got some slides. And they have been collecting the slides, so I know that we're going to be writing a blog post of all the the order stuff for our slides and, and code for our sessions. But um, yeah, it was it was pretty cool. It was a, a good conference, and so if you want to see Mark's perspective there and uh, see what he has to say about uh, what we had to say, <laughs> just kidding. Uh, sometimes I wonder I was... if he listens to the podcast. <laughs> I don't know, but I was I was disappointed. I basically didn't even get to talk to Mark. The conference felt felt like it was over so so quickly, and yeah. um, I said like hi to Mark like twice, and then the conference was over, and I was like, oh my gosh, I didn't even get to really catch up with him. Yeah, it definitely f- flies past. And then uh, Mark, who I actually met at CF Summit, um, was talking about can destructured variables be scoped in Cold Fusion, and so I guess this is. A newer feature. He wrote everything on Cold Fusion Twenty One. This is a different Mark, not Mark Takata. Yeah, sorry, Mark Brockenstead. I think his name is. It's just Brockens. M- yeah, I've never. It's one of those names I've never really said out loud. I've always just seen it online. Yeah, um, it was nice seeing him there. Uh, yeah. I need. I need to know what he means by destructured variables. Well, so apparently. Um, you can pull apart items out of like array. So like in JavaScript, when you import a library, you can destructure it by saying, Hey, I just want this piece of it. I just want item one out of this item. So here items equals apple banana in the array. You can actually have the array and then the first element call it item one, second element called item two, and it equals item. So basically you're pulling the pieces out of it. And so then if you output item one, what do you, what do you mean when you say, Pulling the pieces out of it. I don't understand what those words mean. So it's sitting, it's basically saying item one equals item and then the first variable. Item two equals the second variable of the items array. And well, then, what's the difference? Because you can just put it in a big list. You're destructuring, you're like you're pulling things out. So say you want to just like this here, for example, you want to just access the the apple out of the, the item struct. And like, this is more for, if you want to do a mix in, you have a CFC and a CFC has 25 functions, but you only want the debalance function. You could basically say, Hey, I just want to pull in, I want to destructure this CFC, pull in just the debalance function and it saves them. And you can say just these five variables out of the 25, I want okay, to separate so, variables. All That's, right. So all he's doing is, is saving boilerplate because he could have said item one equals items index one, item two equals items index two, right? Yeah. But this is just a shortcut syntax thing. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, like I said, okay. use it all the time in JavaScript when you're doing imports and everything, so you can either pull in the entire library or just a piece of it. Um, and so... Right, that makes more so, sense. And so, yeah. And I think the short answer to this is no. So I think that's what he said, is basically at the end, 
doesn't look like the variables went anywhere and they're not in the local scope they're not in the variable scope either you check the app <laughs> check the server the application didn't exist in the sea of fiddle um he's i'm like, surprised the code compiled yeah in full fusion well that's i mean because it, it looks like you're declaring like an implicit array for example and set it equal to another array which I would have expected Cold Fusion to throw one. Actually, did you try it on Lucy or actual Cold Fusion? Uh, he was writing in the Sea of Fiddle. So, yeah, I'm actually curious. Oh, would okay. that work on Lucy at all? Like, or I, not? Would, I would expect to get an error that you can't have an array on the left side, um, left hand side of you know an assignment operator. Um, that yeah. would be an interesting feature. I don't know how often I'd use it, but I understand what you're saying now. So, yeah, here yeah. we go. Boom. Lucy can't assign value to a built in function on line four. Okay. Exactly. Oh, I was about to uh, go in and run it's that. Exactly. Myself. See, so what's, what's interesting is it appears Cold Fusion just kind of shrugged and ignored it and just ran the code and didn't really do anything. Whereas Lucy was like, "What are you doing, bro? Can't do that." But did, uh, so, did so? Did it not actually work, or does it work in in uh, Tricia for W twenty twenty one? If by work you mean doesn't error, yes. If by but, work you mean actually just structures the the array then no well does it output the data or no i don't think it does i don't know what it does it doesn't appear to actually create any variables i don't know i think i think cold fusion is just shrugging and going that was weird i don't know what the user meant and lucy says hold on bro that's not real so i think lucy's probably more appropriate in throwing an exception but you can't you can't assign a value uh, to an implicit array or struct but well i mean cold fusion says line eight is invalid so wonder why um are you sure because that's lucy um, I'm, I'm running it right now in tri cf in 2021 just it does not put anything oh well i have apparently another error now i'm trying to figure out what the what is running if, if only tri cf oh. didn't try catch our errors for us so adam cameron i know you're in the chat uh i don't know if anybody told you but um abram adams cracked a joke uh, at, uh, into the box and he was presenting uh, sharing a bit in the keynote about TriCF about how one of the main reasons that he hasn't changed the error handling in TriCF is just to screw with you <laughs> but, 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 I, but I wanted to state in solidarity it annoys me just as much because I don't know how many times I've had to write a TriCatch and TriCF just to see what the stupid error is yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's pretty funny okay um, yeah I don't I don't no, this necessarily warranted an entire blog post. I think the the the, the, the TLDR version of this is um, you cannot destructure things in Cold Fusion. Wouldn't it be interesting if you did? And then like that's it. That's the blog well, post. It says you can destructure them. You just can't put this put them in a certain scope, which is weird because I couldn't get around try CF. But he said he he could actually descope. I mean, he could do it. It does destructure. It just doesn't put it in a scope. I'm gonna have to look into this. I don't more. understand then what what does it put them in? Uh, yeah, that's the thing. It's like a magic. It's I don't know. Well, maybe maybe someone can figure out what the heck Adobe's doing. Yeah, and when the why the hell did they add that? So, <laughs> well, the other question is is what it's doing being done on purpose or on accident? <laughs> is this like a oops behavior? Yeah, or... we're trying to look more like JavaScript, but we'll just do it weird. Uh, I'm gonna have okay, to play Adam that later. says it's a new feature of 2021. Yep. Huh. All right. Well, if it works in 2021, um, then we should put in a Lucy ticket to support it. But I'll have to play around. But 
Yeah. You have we'll to be careful. Around. You have to be careful on Tri CF because it also it switches out your scopes behind the scenes. So like when you put stuff in the variable scope, it's not really in the variable scope. Tri CF does some fine replace crap on your code and it puts all that stuff in a different actual scope so it can keep it out of the real variable scope. So sometimes when you're trying to like just dump the variable scope to see what's in it, you're not actually dumping the scope you think you are. So um sometimes <laughs> I'll test that just on a local full fusion instance because I don't press try CF to actually just be like running my code without fiddling with it. Yeah, it's sandboxy. Not really traditional sandbox, but its own little security. But well, yeah, of... I mean it there, there's just a separate struct that declares that it it tries to use as your variable scope, but it 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 little buggy sometimes okay well next up we also have uh, a tweet and so this was in in response to uh a conversation <coughs> but basically we told them why wirebox was better and they should use something like that with dependency injection and so you explained it and i thought it was pretty good because you talked about applebee's uh <laughs> but said with a framework like wirebox the calling code doesn't need to know where the dependency lives how to build it what initialization args it requires what nested dependency it needs you just say wirebox.get instance foobar and wirebox does the rest abstraction and then you <laughs> said like when you order a steak at applebee's you don't tell the chef well you said chief but you don't tell the chef where the cow <laughs> lives and the, what the cow needs to eat what seasonings are in the kitchen you just you know, ask for the the waiter for a steak, and the kitchen does the rest. And sometimes they'll even listen to you when you say medium well um, or medium rare. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I thought it was pretty interesting. <laughs> and he's like, does yeah, it apply I'm, to chilies too? <laughs> I'm actually, yes, yeah, I used to be a waiter at Applebee's, so that's why I, I always go to that for my uh, thing. I'm actually trying to think um, what this original conversation was even about. What was it we were talking about? Um, um, he was asking about the new operator and saying, can the new operator um, with relative paths go into... You know, oh, that's right. Because it was the whole, how do I, how do I something tell higher. Where, yeah. where, where the CFC lives? And that's where I was like, well, you know, we'd use dependency injection framework or use a mapping so you could go up. But, you you know, he was saying you couldn't control certain things. We're like, well... Um, it, would, it would be interesting if you could do a dot dot slash sort of thing with CFC paths. I've occasionally run into that in legacy code bases. Um, but since dots have meaning, that, that would be kind of weird. And I'm pretty certain there's logic that like just removes like duplicate dots or slashes in the CFC paths anyway. But yeah, I mean, overall, the the sort of the design pattern that says quit worrying about where the heck your CFCs live is called, you know, uh, dependency injection or an IOC container. Yeah. Um, IOC control. stands for inversion of control, right? Because you wind up in the weeds of having to manually build your CFCs. You have to know where they live. You have to know what parameters they take. Yeah, highly and, coupled. You know, yeah. So you use, you know, in the past Cold Spring or Wirebox or DI1, you know, it knows how to build a thing. And you say, please go get me that thing. And it gives it to you. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that's that's a concept that is, is super common in pretty much every language in existence. But somehow a large swath of full fusion developers have really never gotten into using any kind of, um, you know, dependency injection library. So it's maybe that would be a good talk for CF summit next year. But I think Dave, Nolan might've done one on that. Yeah. When Dave Bella just says, nobody goes to Applebee's for steak. <laughs> Why? What's your favorite thing to eat at Applebee's Brad? You're like, you know, I, work there. I was always just a fan of their, their boneless wings. And they had like a they had like a, a chicken sandwich, like a chicken ranch bacon sandwich or something I used to get in their 
Oreo shake they used to have. But yeah, I mean, I I, I uh, worked with somebody once who complained that Applebee's was like the McDonald's of nice food. He was like, you know, they look like they're nice and they charge more like they're nice, but it's basically all like kind of this pre-made slapped together. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's not that wrong. <laughs> but hey, it, it made me money before I got my first programming job. Waiting tables at Applebee's, so. <laughs> Sounds good. Oh, we got to move on, man. We're, we're talking up a storm here, so let's get on with find a job. Sorry. Oh, that's okay. I talk a lot, too. I found if Eric's on by himself or Eric with anyone else other than me, it's short. But if I'm on with you or anyone other than Eric, <laughs> anyway, it's long. So find a job, and I got the wrong screen open. There we go. So we got uh, four new jobs this week. So we got a developer position in India. We have a senior Colfusion developer position in Queens, uh, Brisbane, Queensland, Australia. We have a an SE Colfusion in Bangalore, Karnataka, and a senior software engineer in the United States. So four new jobs there, 142 listed on the site right now. You can post a job for free. Follow Get CFML Jobs on Twitter to get instant job notifications. I know there's a few people looking for jobs right now. There's a lot of them out there, so hopefully you guys will find something. Um, but we also have a couple from, I think, Audis is still, uh, still hiring in the USA. So if you go to about, uh, sorry, autosolutions.com slash about us slash careers, you can find out more about that. And yeah, we've got a good opportunity there for a U.S. developer, uh, U.S. time zones, U.S. Um, payment options as far as work visas and everything else so if you've got those criteria met then uh we want to hear from you we're looking for some new developers growing the team okay so let's get on to the next thing which we have our forgebox module of the week and this one's a new one and um oh i was going to see if you could pronounce it but I put it in the show notes so we know I've, how to pronounce I've it. I've never known there was a way to pronounce that as a single word. I always just read PKCE in my in my head. Mm. I, people call that Pixie. I mean, it makes sense. I've, I've never heard anybody say it. Well, that's what Matt Gifford said, and so I believe him. So Matt Gifford has published this new thing. You know what? Matt Gifford was one of the biggest casualties of CF Summit being way too short. He yep. was at CF Summit, and I literally didn't see him the entire time until we were like literally walking out of the hotel to go eat and go to the airport. And I looked like, Oh, Hey Matt, you've been here. How's it going? And we're like, all right, bye. Yeah. And that was it. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. So I went Matt Gifford and it reminded me of that. I went to his session. Um, he was doing the OAuth two talk. And one of the things he talked about in there is how the original specification changed. Um, and so there's like, he had a slide, I think I posted on Twitter where there's the original specification. Then there was like one, you know, update and then another update and then another update and another update. And then if you're using mobile, you have to do this update. And then, and then it mentioned Pixie. I'm like, what the heck is this? So trying to keep up with all the OAuth <laughs> stuff. So the Pixie generator is a, it's a CFML component to generate or verify a proof key for code exchange or a Pixie challenge pair. And so this is part of his code. He's doing quite a lot of work with OAuth too. He's, um, does a lot of work with DistroKid and on their OAuth setup, and he does quite a lot of OAuth 2 stuff, so he's sort of the OAuth guy. Um, and so, yeah, this sounds like something I'm going to be using pretty soon. We're going to up our OAuth game and uh, install this one. I'm a little confused on exactly when I'd use it, and I only say that because I've done several OAuth integrations where people do like single sign-on. I'm working on one right now, and I've never actually needed to... I mean, I see the acronym 
this pixie acronym. I've never actually needed to generate well, anything. I believe it's it's used when you're doing um, non-private situations. So when you're doing JavaScript, you can't really hide the keys. You can't hide behind proxies like the server side where you get spoiled because they're all secret keys. They're secret. We go uh, so server, server, HTTPS. Then. And so, yeah, they have a different flow. You kind of use a pixie instead of the secret key. And that's sort of like a short-lived you know, authentication key that you'll check on both sides. Kind of like an authy okay. when you log in, two-factor type setup. It's yeah, that, 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 that makes style sense. for mobile the, phones and stuff. The server side of Authflow, you'll hit like an authorization endpoint, you'll get an authorization code, and then you go get your token with that, but you pass the client secret with that, which obviously you wouldn't do that flow on a, a JavaScript front end. Yep, same with mobile phones that can get, you know, backwards you know, reverse engineered and everything else. So that's kind of the, the flow of it. And Adobe apparently is going to be getting people presenting their um, talks very soon. And so hopefully he'll be doing his one. So that's the, the pixie and that's part of the OAuth 2 talk that he did at CF summit. So yeah, just a cool little module. And again, nice. and it looks like this isn't even a cold box module. It's just a thing. You can just directly create the CFCs and use them. Yep, so I might have to make a, a little module that incorporates that as part of my mm, yeah, he doesn't even series. Yeah, he doesn't even have a box.json. Come on, Matt. What's he doing? No, wait, sorry, he has a box.json. I meant a, a module config. If oh. you just put the Pixie CFC in a modules folder, slap in an empty module config, then it would also be a working full box module without losing any of the any of the other functionality. Yeah, just a module config should do it, right? Because when you install it, we put it in a module if it's the box JSON. Well, but, the but then it wouldn't map the CFC, which is why I said put it in the modules folder. Oh, I thought you said put it in a modules folder. I was like, you don't need the modules. Um, no, I just slur my speech when I've been drinking too much. Okay. Well, I haven't it's had green tea. I swear it's green tea. I haven't had enough caffeine, so my, my hearing isn't working yet either. So, anyways. <laughs> Oops, now I'm hitting my microphone. Yep, for sure. So, if moving guys, on. Yeah, if you guys want to check that out, I'm going to post the link into our, our chat right now and then well next up we have our vs code hint tip and trick of the week so you want to tell us about this brad while i get my screen up? uh well the show notes say javascript es6 code snippets this extension contains code snippets for javascript in es6 syntax for vs code editors supports both javascript and typescript See, oh, what? There's no animated GIFs on the project page? How am I supposed to know what this extension does without any animated GIFs? That's the only way to document functionality. Yep. You know, every every time I open up a VS Code extension that has a bunch of animated GIFs, all I can think of is a Ray Camden session once where he had an entire slide that said an animated GIF is not documentation. <laughs> yeah. And, and usually it is documented down below, but I always just kind of I snicker at that. Well, I mean, they've got some pretty cool little triggers, but I'm going to have to like completely cover my wall in front of me with all these little cheat code snippet things because I never remember half of these. But of yeah, course, wait, that's, can... that is part of the problem. I mean, even just the ones we have in our cold box extension and the test box extension that have snippets mm -hmm. for our stuff, I forget what's there. And then sometimes I'm typing along and without realizing it, I hit a I hit a snippet on accident and it throws a big chunk of code and I'm like ah no I didn't want that no go away I know and then so I'm like wait which of the fifteen snippet extensions did that come from <laughs> Yeah because you're typing and it pops up a bunch of like 
options and you're like wait a minute which one was it that does the thing that i want yeah a lot of times now i'll push the f1 key to get up my little menu and then type snippet mm. and then look and you can sometimes get the previews of what it's going to give you too which is right nice. yeah that way you, you know what you're getting yeah but it looked like there was some good stuff in there you know like the console log console info like clg tab for console log like i should definitely install this module just for saving those keystrokes because you know, that's how I do it. Just like CF dump, console log. <laughs> but uh, the funny thing is, most people don't know about all the other different type of console ones you could have, like the groups and the table and the info and the time. And, you know, there's a bunch of cool stuff inside console alone, mm. let alone all the other things. You know, but they got the array for each and, you know, the, the four loops and four ends and all those. So, you know, any snippets, kind of cool. But to be honest, with Copilot, it just does it for me. So I can just type a little bit and push tab. And then, uh, like Adam said, it makes him look smart or dumb. I don't remember which one, but yeah. Anyway. So speaking of um, the chat here, dependency injection or whatever is why they wouldn't use five tags. Now, do they have dependency injection type stuff in the dev nexus? Or would that just be um, like too low level? Like everyone at Java is already using dependency injection, right? Like, yeah, I mean, anybody doing well. So first of all, nobody writes like Java web apps and just Java. They're all using the framework, right? If like you were like, boot and stuff. I write Java, but I don't use a framework. They would all look at you like you're weird, right? And so they're all using something that has like 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 Spring, you know, just built in like Spring Boot or whatever you know Quarkus does for that. So it's kind of just a given in in Java, um, at least from what I've seen. Um, in many ways, but at least everybody's familiar with it. They're not like, what is this amazing concept that creates things for me? I mean, Java developers also use a lot of factory patterns, which is a bit more kind of, you know, it's, I don't know if I'd call it DI, it's it's a small version of, you know, inversion of control, but kind of, you know, custom factors they like to build. So either way, it's design pattern most Java developers seem to be familiar with and be familiar with using. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's It's a different community, that's for sure. Okay. But yeah, I mean, I just talked about MVC at CF Summit and it was a big success because everybody, nobody was using one. Out of my session with like, I don't know, 150 people or whatever, four people were using a framework. So the other 146 were either not using a framework at all or they were using their own one they made and just didn't know it. So, so yeah. So I'm thinking if that many people aren't using MVC, then <laughs> dependency injection could be a huge market. But would they know what it is? To, maybe I should say like, yeah, why your code should be more like Applebee's restaurant than uh, you know, a, a cook it yourself restaurant or I don't know something. Come up with your Applebee's saying, Brad. You can wear your old costume, uniform, whatever. Could be fun. Applebee's. You need to have my 17 pieces of flair. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Office space. Okay, well, next up we have our Patreon. So, Brad, you want to tell us why these people should, well, why, why we should thank them, I guess. Why we should thank them? Yeah, why should we thank our Patreon supporters? Because they give us money, like actual money, and it funds this podcast so you and I can have it, and it funds the hosting of ForgeBox.io, the Cold Fusion package management site, which Ordis has always hosted out of our pockets, and it just makes people cool because they're giving back. And they get um, the cool some other cool perks too, right? They do, yeah. If you're a if you're a bronze Patreon supporter, uh, you automatically get a Forgebox Pro account, which means you can have private packages and a bunch of other features, additional storage. You automatically get a CF Cast subscription uh, along with your bronze Patreon uh, support level, which has weekly 
fresh content added. Um, all Patreon supporters get a profile badge on our community um, profile site or a community forum site, right? That, that says, hey, I'm a Patreon supporter. Um, and then we also have a private forum on the community website and a private channel on the box team slack where they can ask uh ask their own questions in there and get maybe some some information that's distributed to them before the rest of the community gets it and then also they get access to the live streams such as coding with the kiwi as well kiwi and friends yeah or just book club so there's a lot of uh internal perks for the uh the patreons in addition to just the continuation of the podcast and the forgebox site yeah, we were even talking about maybe making the book, uh, the office hours patron only, but we want to open it up to the community first before we do make that switch. But I mean, if it gets too many people asking for too much help, then like if you're not on a support plan and you're not a patron, like maybe you'll have to upgrade to one of those. But we do want to try and help the community in general, but that might be a new patron perk coming up soon. But uh, yeah, a lot of cool perks there for sure. So I guess it's my turn to mispronounce these. No, actually, I was on all by myself <laughs> last week. So I did that last week. So it's your turn, Brad. So go ahead. Um, mispronounce away. <laughs> all right. So big thanks to our Patreon supporters. The exhaustive list being John Wilson from Synaptrix, Jordan Clark, Gary Knight, Mario Rodriguez, Giancarlo Gomez, David Bellinger, Dan Carr, Jonathan Perrett, Jeffrey McGee from Sunstar Media, Dean Monder, Nolan Irk, Abdul Rahim, Vito De Bruyne, Joseph Lamory, Don Bellamy, Jan Yannick, Laxma uh, Turtahati, Brian Gnadelli, uh, i say it wrong, uh, from Haggerty <laughs> Motorsports, Carl Von Stetten, Jeremy Adams, Didier Lesnicki, Matthew Clemente, <gasps> Daniel Garcia, Stott Stein, Steinbeck from Agri Tracking Systems, Ben Liddell, Richard Herbert, Brett DeLine, Kai Koenig, Charlie Earhart, Jason Diger, Sean Odin, Matthew Darby, Ross Phillips, Edgardo Cabezas. When did this list get so long? Patrick Flynn, Stephanie Mongi, Kevin Wright, John Wish, Peter Amiri, Kevin, Kevin Vanis, and John Nesson. Yeah, that is awesome. Look, listen to all of these people who are proudly supporting us on Patreon. Thank you so much. Yep, and one of the perks is supposed to be we read your name out if you're at a certain level, but we've always just read everybody out because we're so thankful. But we are getting to that point, you know, we're at 42 names on that list, 42, 43 names on that I, list. So I, I think we might need to say to... it. In, I used one... to be able to say it in one breath, but that was a long time ago. Yep. So <laughs> I, I think we might have to draw the line, either a number or maybe end of the year. We'll just say, okay. Uh, only those people that actually have that Patreon perk get listed off, and maybe we'll just say go to the website for the rest, <laughs> because yeah, it's getting pretty long. But but uh, let's check this chat for any more. Um, so Adam was saying that CFMLs desperately need more guidance in that department. I'm like, uh, yeah, but will they listen? You know, and how can you talk to people that are hiding in their hole? And he's like, if you say it often enough, maybe they'll it'll get in slowly. And I linked to a Scott Hanselman blog post about the dark matter developers. You know, mm -hmm. it's like astronomy and cosmology. Uh, cosmology. Dark matter is a <laughs> currently undetermined type of matter. You know, basically, you can, you know, it's just, you can't be seen, basically. Whatever. So, you can't see them. You don't know the developers are there. We know that they must be there, because other things aren't there. But how do you get in touch with somebody you can't? find or you don't know where they live so yeah and that's the, that's the perennial problem is we can post about things all day long on on twitter and the facebook cold fusion groups and the slack cold fusion channels and the cold fusion forums 
and there's really only uh, a, a somewhat small subset of the cold fusion community that participates in those um yeah which is frustrating i mean that's 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 why you still run into people at conferences that you know have never even heard of, of libraries or things that have been around for like seven years um the closest you get to to coming in contact with more of those people is cf summit because adobe has you know the largest mailing list of of people who do full fusion work um and you road know, the, shows the adobe road shows that's where i met people that, yeah. that nobody mm -hmm. knew who ben nadal ben forte or ray campton were they <laughs> used cold fusion but they had no idea there were people in the world that used it too so wow yeah uh, like adam I mean, says most cfmail is shop to work put in a shift go home and get on with something else i call those the nine to fivers you know they get up they do their thing and that's it some of other yeah. people are lifers is what i like lifetime learners or lifers like me where i go to bed dreaming of cold fusion <laughs> i swear other libraries are stupid things that i want to do and you know i mean i i don't want to necessarily imply that it's a bad thing if you only think about cold fusion between nine to five but even if you only think about cold fusion from nine to five i would think part of that should be education and looking into frameworks and libraries and best practices within you know your software craftsmanship wheelhouse, even if you do it from nine to five. But um, I don't think the problem is just that they go home at the end of their shift, but it's that while they're on their shift, there's no, there's not a lot of self-improvement that goes on saying, you know, what's, what's the better way of doing things? What am I missing out on? Yeah. Um, and that's, that's hard. Yeah. You'll but I mean, cause you'd think people want to improve, right? But then I guess there's a lot of people that they just do their job and they don't care if there's a better way or a more efficient way to do it. I mean, I guess it depends too, because some jobs, the better you are at something, the more work they give you, right? So if you can do something twice as fast, they'll give you twice as much work. So a lot that of people ex ask, that explains Wally in the Dilbert cartoon as well. <laughs> yeah. So it's, uh, but yeah, but yeah. So Adam's basically saying is that they don't care. You know, that's implying nicely. But uh, but that's the thing. We're hoping that more people can you know learn, and that's why we do what we do because we want to share with those who want to learn you know, and help everybody improve. And again, we're not perfect. We're all learning, right? So we all learn from each other. And so anyways, well, that being said, we've spent 90 minutes talking about this week. So, uh, 90 we glorious minutes. So hey, did, we, we didn't, did, did we have an adjective for our Patreon supporters today? Um, I didn't change it. So it was the effervescent, which is what I used last week. So I just, called uh, them, I just called them amazing. Cause I didn't have a good okay, one on the top of my head, right. but the effervescent, that's what my wife refers to herself sometimes, but, uh, but yep. So it was a good episode. Like Adam said, uh, it was, I like the little discussions we roll off into. They take a little more time, but I think that's where everyone gets the real value. It's not just us telling you what you could go find on Twitter. It's talking about it and maybe sometimes even having something good to say about it or useful or, you know, in Brad's case, no, I just like to complain. <laughs> hey, that's important too. <laughs> anyways you guys have a great week thanks everybody and uh yeah we'll catch you next week bye, bye Nara. show notes for this episode can be found at cfmlnews.modernizeordie.io where you can also subscribe to your favorite podcast player like spotify or itunes we also have the link to youtube to find more videos just like this the music used in this podcast is under a royalty-free license from Sound.com and Blue Tree Audio.